Welcome to Speak for Yourself. I'm Marcel Swally. Emmanuel Acho is out today, but I got Bucky Brooks in the building and Slick Rick the Buke arrived with me. So let's get it started in Dallas, where the Cowboys won the NFC East last season, but were bounced in the wild card round by the 49ers. They also lost some big names on their roster this offseason, but their former head coach, Jason Garrett, kept it positive, saying they had an awfully good year last year, adding, quote, I wouldn't bet against this team. That's right. So, Bucky, will the Cowboys be better or worse this season? Oh, America's team is going to be better this year. Right. They're going to be better because it's all the quarterback. Dak Prescott, instead of spending I his offseason rehabbing, he's been doing developmental stuff. He's been there and available, working with his team. Go. Got C.D. Lamb on the outside. Right. Zeke Elliott, I've been hearing good reports about Tony Pollard maybe playing in the slot a little bit, catching passes to complement that duo. I just like what the Cowboys are doing. I think this team is better positioned this year to win it than they were last year. I think that's a scary thought based on what we saw during the regular season. Mm. Slick was mad at that from the beginning. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> no, Bucky. no, 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 no. Yeah. No, not mad. Not mad. Not mad. Not mad? But go ahead. Oh, yeah, I will. I will get it in. I'm going to tell you right now, Bucky up here campaigning for these Cowboys. Uh, I'm in support of the Cowboys, but not as much as Bucky Brooks. He wants to make America's team great again. I hear you. But at the same time, we're looking at the Dallas Cowboys, who will be better next year. Y'all got to really distill this question to what it really is asking, which is basically, can the Dallas Cowboys win a playoff game? Because last year they win 12 games. That's a great record in the NFL, 12 and 5. But then they lose their playoff game. So the real question is, can they win a playoff game? Not a single person alive is going to sit there and swear that the Dallas Cowboys, with all of this talent, with Dak Prescott, that quarterback, can't win a playoff game. As a matter of fact, in the playoff game they lost, which they were getting spanked, they were one play away in a questionable call from actually winning that playoff game. So I look at the Dallas Cowboys, number one offense in the NFL. And you talk about all the talent that they have on that side of the ball. And I think they got rid of some dead weight, not only mentally, but physically, physically. No more disguising as a number one receiver, Amari Cooper. You got to go, bro. Make room for CeeDee Lamb and his blossoming and his growth. Also, whatever happened last year, I think the Dallas Cowboys staff went back into their meeting rooms and said, look, we saw Ezekiel Elliott supposedly fully motivated last year. Oh, we're going to see him fully motivated this year because Tony Pollard is not playing games. So in terms of the touches, in terms of the support that Dak Prescott's going to have, it's going to be even greater. And most importantly, Dak Prescott gets to focus on not only his entire body, but his entire game versus last offseason. All he could do is focus in on his one leg in rehab. All of that adds up to a better season. All that adds up to a playoff win for these Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Marcellus, did you start out by saying that you didn't support the Cowboys as strongly as Bucky Brooks? Not as strongly did. as Bucky Brooks. Bucky Brooks did, got to win a Super Bowl. Did you actually Bowl. start out that way? Because <laughs> what I heard was a campaign that was much stronger than what Bucky had coming out of the gate. Look, and selfish. Bucky came out strong. You guys are forcing me to start this. Look, I don't know that you guys ever had a training plan where you did either gassers mm -hmm, or yeah. one on twos as mm -hmm. the first thing out of the gate for practice. But that's what you're putting on me for this show. We couldn't have put the Cowboys back in the B or the C block just so I could get warmed up a little bit. I got to go one on two with this right away. Because, yeah, look, yes. here's the bottom line. You're never going to go wrong by expecting the Cowboys 
to disappoint whatever mm. expectations mm. you have. Mm. That has been proven over the years. And in spite of the fact that they have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL this year, the odds makers have them winning fewer games than they did last year. The over-under is at 10. They won 12 last year. And looking at their schedule, they should be I'm, – I'm counting – even if they lose to all of the quality teams, the way that is structured, the time off that they have, how easy it is on the back end, if they can't get to 12 wins, there's something seriously, seriously wrong with these Cowboys. Now, they didn't have a great offseason. And I will say there are parts, Micah Parsons being at the front of the line, C.D. Lamb being another, where I am hoping and expecting that these guys are going to take another step forward. But I can't ignore the pieces that they've lost. Amari Cooper is dead weight? You want to have that conversation with Dak Prescott? Because dead weight and a crutch are not the same thing. And I would say it's rather (laughs) the latter than the former when it comes to Dak Prescott. So I need to see Dak Prescott be at his best without Amari Cooper by his side. But in any case, this idea that they're going to be better when they lost the pieces that they lost, I I assume you're counting on the schedule to make them better because as a team, I can't possibly make that argument. I see, I see Rick. I, I don't think Rick, Rick must not spend a lot of time in the garden. He doesn't have a green thumb like I do. Brooks landscaping over here. We like to get in the yard and kind of make, sometimes you got to prune the trees. Sometimes you got to do some things to make sure you let that new growth come. So some of this is due to addition by subtraction. Mm. What do I mean by that? You had to let Amari Cooper go so C.D. Lamb can fully blossom. You had to get those guys off the offensive line, Connor Williams, Leo Collins, so this offensive line can be better because as much as we talk about Dak Prescott being able to throw it to the perimeter, he can't throw it if he's on his back. In the last couple years, we've seen too many leaks up front, not enough physicality and toughness at the line of scrimmage, can't run the ball the way that you want to run the ball or the way you need to run the ball for the Dallas Cowboys. So now you fortify that offensive line. You get those young, hungry guys on the perimeter playing in what we call expanded roles. Yeah, I think the Dallas Cowboys are more than ready to go to the next step. But let's really talk about the strength of their team. Defensively, another year in Dan Quinn's system. Mm. Trayvon Diggs being able to settle in. We saw what he did last year. Look, he was a bit of a double agent. He had a lot of interceptions, but he gave up big plays. Now you understand what is being asked. He's a premier corner. Now he takes better care of a not allowing the ball to fly over his head. I just think this team is better because the pieces are better because they've been able to blossom. I look for the Cowboys to do big things now. My man Marcellus is going kind of play it conservative and hedge their bet. Look, this team is going. Going. This is the year. Oh, yeah. They're going. They're they're going right their ticket. They're going. I look at the NFC. It's wide open for the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl. This is the time. Run to the cashier's thing. Place your bets. See, Cowboys are going. I'm glad you finally clarified that for Slick Rick, who was out here looking at me like I was coming in hotter than Bucky Books. Bucky has them in the Super Bowl. This team has Super Bowl potential, but I'm not going that far just yet. Baby steps 
first step being let's win a playoff game. Let's start right there. Now, yeah, Slick. Yeah, that's Slick, a good start. I can tell you can't. You don't even believe what you're saying out there because you try to use the premise of what the odds makers are saying about the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, the same odds makers that predicted the Rams versus the Bengals. Oh, they didn't predict that. Are oh, the same odds makers who tell me that the Warriors weren't going to be good. Like, oh, oh, they didn't predict that. Man, don't give me the odds makers. Give me some real facts like this. Uh, were the Dallas Cowboys 6-0 in the NFC East last year? Mm. Yes. Yeah. And I know teams have improved on paper, on sliced-up dead trees, but at the same time, you want to know what the point differential was last year with the Dallas Cowboys in their division? 40-17. to 40-17. to 17. Go ahead and improve. Make it 40-30. to 30. We're still blowing y'all out. So the Dallas Cowboys have a quarterback since 2017, 22-3 in his division. Slick. So that means they're going to be in the playoffs. All I'm saying is they're going to take the next step, which is get over that hump and not be one and done in the playoffs. Win your division, get into the dance, win that game, and let's see, see if this snowballs to where Bucky's going. But where you at, Slick, right now, you in Vegas losing your money, believing these odds makers. Don't inflate what I said about the odds makers as my entire take or the reason that I have mm -hmm. questions about the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. I am simply saying that looking at their schedule, they have an infinitely easier schedule than they did last year, and yet the odds makers are putting their win total lower. Hmm, that raises a question. <laughs> and then you're telling me the commanders and the Eagles, and I assume you were talking about those two teams, yeah. are better on paper and the Dallas Cowboys are worse on paper, and yet we're going to say, but forget all that. The Dallas Cowboys are going to be better. Based on what at this point in the season or in the calendar year? Because we can only go by what we have on paper. We're not into training camp. We're not into the first game of the season. We're not into anything other than what they look like on paper. So you're telling me they're going to be even more formidable in the division in spite of the fact that two of the three teams, without question, are better on paper and the Cowboys are worse on paper. And they have a better, uh, they have an easier schedule and yet the odds makers expect them to win fewer games. So... Just help me. I mean, right. look, I I'm happy you. to get another pair of star-shaped glasses like you guys have. <laughs> I'm happy that if you guys send them, I'll try them on. But you need to give me a reason. And so far, all I've heard about, like, pruning the garden. Like, if we're going to, yeah, <laughs> you can weed, and that allows other stuff oh, to grow. But it also allows, like... Other weeds to come in and grow. That's not a guarantee in itself. Oh, that what weed you talk. planted is oh, suddenly going to become award-winning in your garden. So just help me. Give me. I, I have yet to hear one reason oh, really? other than the oh, that absence is going to allow growth. <laughs> Give oh, me one reason oh, why yeah. I should I'm, believe in I'm, these I'm, Cowboys I'm, 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 like I'm I did last year. I'm going to make it very simple for you. Like We talk about the National Football League being a quarterback-driven league. Ooh. And so first, let's talk about the division. The division in which we see Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz, 
and Jalen Hurts <laughs> play against Dak Prescott. So Dak Prescott Oops. right there just by showing Oops. up, Dak Prescott gives them a chance to win a division because he dominates the division. He's the best That was the same as last year. He's a quarterback in the division, and they won a division. Like they, I mean, that's they what they did. They won a division. So they win a playoff Let's look at the entire NFC, and we look at the quarterback landscape. We have Tom Brady. We have Aaron Rodgers. We have Matthew Stafford. Dak Prescott is somewhere in that conversation as a top three quarterback in the conference. Oh. There's no one else in the conference. Oops. So before we can, oh. we got to win a division, then we got to win the conference. So if we mm. talk about Dak Prescott being in the conversation as one of the top quarterbacks in the conference, we're there. We're already on the precipice of being able to get into the deal. Now, if you're saying the Cowboys are playing in the AFC, yeah, then I would talk about that monstrous slate of quarterbacks. But right now, Dak Prescott looks good, and I can't see other guys emerging in their <laughs> prime saying they're going to challenge Dak Prescott. Yeah, give me number four. I'm all the way in on the Dallas Cowboys in the yeah. NFC. I don't understand why we're still having this conversation. Say it, baby. Like Snoop said it, one, two, three, and to the four. Give me some Dak Prescott. Let's go out there and win some more. That's what's going to happen, Slick. Slick told me, and I'm going to use you against you, Slick. Good luck fighting yourself. That last year they had a tougher schedule, right? Okay, I give you that, obviously. And they went 10-2 and in the conference, including 6-0 and in their division. Mm. And 10-2 was the best of all NFC teams in the conference. So wait a minute. Against a tougher schedule, the Dallas Cowboys went 10-2. and But now you try to flip it and say, well, this year their schedule's easier. Here's the flaw in saying that. Those who say the schedule is easier are basing it off of last year's teams. But as we know in the NFL, every single year, you predict the team to be great, and it's not as great. You predict the team to be bad, and they're better than you predicted. Case in point, Cincinnati Bengals, they had won two games and four games. All of a sudden, they're in the Super Bowl. A lot better than we expected. Tampa Bay runs it back after winning the Super Bowl with all 22 starters. Not exactly the same. Slick, I don't know what weed is coming from the grounds that Bucky has grounded for you in horticulture, but it sounds like it doesn't hit that Bay Area because you're on a sniff with it. Come on, Slick. Make some sense of this. Oh, Bucky, let me get to you first. You know what I heard all last year? I heard that if Dak Prescott can just stay healthy, yeah. the Dallas Cowboys are a Super Bowl contender. I believe, Bucky, you and I had a conversation on this very show about that very thing. Did we not? I, I, I'm, I'm, pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Hearing pretty sure. that. But right? I'm, like, I'm future focused. So, future focused. <laughs> Dak, Dak Prescott was healthy last year, right? Future focused. He was healthy focus. last year. Take he two, was? Two years to get back from that injury. He was healthy last two year, years. and what happened? It, it takes a couple years to come back from that. It takes a couple years to come back from that. His ankle was all turned. It was all weird. Yeah. Come on. You saw that ankle. <laughs> Your body don't go that way. Yeah, it takes right. a while to get comfortable this, with that. See, you know what? This is it. This what is, is it? Marcellus's logic. You know what? It, everything is opposite land with the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys have always disappointed. The Dallas Cowboys have gotten worse. But you know what? The Bengals, nobody expected them to be better, and, huh? and yet they went to the Super Bowl. Like, we're, we're doing the reverse logic thing. Like, mm-hmm. logic says that this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And, but, you know what, we've seen some evidence here now and then of logic being turned on its head. So this is where I will agree with both. Oh, there we go. I think we finally found we some are the common world. ground. Yes, yeah. yes, we are the it world. It would be completely against logic for the Dallas Cowboys to be better this year. I agree with you a thousand percent <laughs> on that. It would make 
abs it would make absolutely no sense that the Dallas Cowboys would be better this year than they were last year because of the losses. Look, they had a good draft. Free agency didn't really add anything significant. The free agent losses were much more significant. And I loved, Bucky, that you're mentioning, like, the offensive line needs to improve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they lost pieces. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so who, who, who am I guaranteed is going to make their offensive line better? Oh. Who has demonstrated oh. that they're oh. capable they, they of making that offensive line? Am I missing? They drafted did, did they draft Smith. Yeah, they it's called Blossom. They drafted somebody. They drafted Smith from Tulsa oh, to come in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, got, we got young blood. Okay. We got Upgrade. fresh legs Upgrade. in there now. We're not getting guys Upgrade. with hip and drug issues. and all. That's off the roster now. We moved on from that. We're talking about a new healthy mindset because a new offensive line healthy, physically healthy, mentally healthy as well. Dak Prescott has never had a losing season when healthy. So if Dak Prescott stays healthy, at least at minimum, logical, illogical, like Acho's book, whatever you want to think, they are going to be a winning team. Now, you look into what they did last year against a tougher sleigh of opponents, according to you, Slick, and they went 10-2 in conference, and they went 6-0 in that division. No matter how much these teams try to close the gap, there is still a gap with a quarterback that is third in NFL passer rating, fourth in completion percentage, and fourth in passing touchdowns with the number one offense. Good luck trying to keep up with these Cowboys. Trust me, they're going to get over that hump this year. Coming up, was the Bengals Super Bowl appearance the start of something big or not? We'll tell you if we have concerns. Cincinnati is a one-hit wonder. But first, Baker Mayfield says both sides are ready to move on. We'll tell you if his best option is staying with the Browns. That's next on Speak for Yourself. Just blaze. Baker Mayfield spoke yesterday and said he has no resentment to the city of Cleveland. But when the subject came up, if he could reconcile with the Browns, if Deshaun Watson is suspended for the season, he said, quote, no, I think for that to happen, there would have to be some reaching out. But we're ready to move on, I think, on both sides. Hmm. So slick. Is Baker Mayfield's best option staying with the Browns? It actually is. And even I am surprised that I've come to this conclusion. But when I look at what his options are, the number one thing is Baker Mayfield has to have a place to play. And I, to this point, haven't heard any place. We've heard rumors and inklings and whatnot. But nobody has made a concerted effort to go get Baker Mayfield. So... Mm. Uh, I look at what the Browns are, the situation that the Browns are in and the situation that Baker Mayfield is in. And this looks to me like the best opportunity for him to get on the field. And it's certainly the best team that he could play for among the options that we've heard to this point of the interested parties. The other part is, and look, I, I understand this. I don't know if I could do it. I could get past being kicked to the curb and then coming back and playing for an organization that had done that. But all that said, you have to consider your options. Mm. And this going back to Cleveland and being a professional and showing that he can play and all of the ancillary stuff that would be proved about his character and his focus, Mm. all of that would change the view of Baker Mayfield, perhaps in the most important way which is how he conducts himself, how he carries himself, how much of a pro and what he's focused on. And so that's why all for all of that, if he gets the opportunity, and I don't think he should let his ego get in the way. He's he's saying, yeah, if they reach out, then, you know, we could make something happen. 
Dude, don't let your ego prevent mm-hmm. you from getting an opportunity to show people what you might still be capable of. I know it's swallowing a lot of pride, but the fact of the matter is Baker Mayfield doesn't have a place to play right now. And if there's any chance that he could for the Browns, then he needs to jump at it. Yeah, in Baker Mayfield's mind, yes, the Cleveland Browns are the best option for him because it's the best team that he could play with and play for uh, to kind of rejuvenate and revive his career. Here's the problem. The Browns don't want him. Mm-hmm. The Browns don't want Baker Mayfield to be their quarterback. He talked very cl- clearly. He said, oh, if there's a chance for reconciliation, they would have to reach out. The phone's not ringing from the Browns. They're telling you everything you need to know with their silence. They don't want Baker Mayfield because they feel like they're a better team without Baker Mayfield. Even if they have to play with Jacoby Brissett or Josh Dobbs, the backup quarterbacks. They knew this was a possibility when they traded for Deshaun Watson, that they would have to play with another quarterback beside Deshaun while Deshaun is serving his suspension. And they still were okay moving on from Baker Mayfield. And now we look at the rest of the league. Baker Mayfield has been dangling out there the entire offseason. And we haven't seen any movement. Mm. Baker Mayfield is still technically a Brown. I think the league has spoken on how they view Baker Mayfield as a player. The Browns have spoken on how Baker Mayfield is viewed as a player. Baker Mayfield now must come to the realization, I got to figure out how I can suck it up and put myself in a position to play and play well. The best place would be for the Cleveland Browns. But I don't think the Browns want any part of number six being their quarterback next year. Yeah, say it again, man. It is certainly Baker's best option to stay in Cleveland. But to the Browns, Baker is not an option. (laughs) Do you understand how they stabbed Baker Mayfield and then twisted the blade in terms of how they think of Baker Mayfield? This is why what Slick is talking about, swallow your pride. Swallow your ego and try to make amends in this situation because it's already written on the wall. They went out there and gave up three first rounders, three other draft picks and gave $230 million guarantee to a player that potentially can't even play this year. What does that say about you, Baker Mayfield? And then they go out there and get a comparable backup. They didn't get any other backup that just said, okay, well, if Deshaun's not here, then we're just going to tank and reload. They went and got something, if you squint, looks like Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield's last 20 starts versus Jacoby Brissett's last 20 starts. They have the same win-loss record. And then Jacoby Brissett beats Baker Mayfield in every statistical category. Huh? How is that? A case and this is why the Browns are done with Baker Mayfield it's not just about stats it's not just about production you guys know you could have worked with someone before who does an adequate job and you're like fine but to be around them to count on them to trust them as a leader of an organization you think the Cleveland Browns ever want to be at the mercy of Baker Mayfield again and what would happen If you let that cat out the bag, if you opened up Pandora's box and said Baker Mayfield run on that field and he has success, all of the issues that you thought were behind you are now present day once again. They have turned the page and closed the book on Baker Mayfield. Unfortunately for Baker Mayfield, this is just an employment decision. Try and find you a home because in Cleveland, you can't stay where you're not wanted. I'm going to push back on one thing you said, Marcellus, which is that the Browns knew that they would be in this situation. I'm not convinced that when they spent all that they spent to get Deshaun Watson, 
that they thought that there was a real prospect that he might not play this year or that he might miss a big part of the season. Mm. Obviously, there was a question in terms of what was going to happen legally and how the league was going to handle it. But we've had continuing information that's come out that's changed the complexity of this since he signed. And so I look at the Cleveland Browns, and you're right. They've made it very clear Mm -hmm. what they think about Baker Mayfield. But the circumstances have changed. And I would at least hope that the Cleveland Browns would look at this a little less emotionally and a little more businesslike and say, what's our best option? Is Baker Mayfield, and I I can't argue with the statistics with Jacoby Brissett, but let's be honest, Baker Mayfield was playing injured for a, a good part of that stretch, and that influenced where the numbers were. So I would just hope that the Cleveland Browns would look at this and, yes, close the door. You might need to open it back up again for however long you need Baker Mayfield. If he's the best option for you at quarterback, then why are you not going to play him? Because you made a decision that you were going on to Deshaun Watson? Well, Deshaun Watson's not available now. So what's your best option now? I would hope for not just the organization, but for their fans, that they decide, look, we're in the business of winning games. We're in the business of being the best team we can be. Yes, we let Baker know that he's not part of our future. But as the thing, as everything looks right now, he might have to be part of our present. So at least explore that. At least find out where Baker's head at. Is he any different? Has he been humbled? Is he going to approach this any different? He has to based on they've made it very clear how they feel about him. So I don't, uh, to your point, Bucky, you're probably right. They don't want to go down that road. But if I'm the Cleveland Browns, I at least, I at least entertain it. I at least open mm. that door and see mm. what's there mm. because I'd rather be the best team I can be rather than making a stand. I mean, what, so I'm going to make a statement to Baker Mayfield and I'm going to cost myself in potentially doing that. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Well, I think the statement has been made. If you're Kevin Stefanski and you stand in front of the team each and every day and you say that the best players play, and then we bring up the stats. Slick, Rick, you talked about Baker Mayfield being hurt. Let's throw that aside. Since Baker Mayfield entered the league, he has 56 interceptions, most in the league. Mm. Last year, when you think about how he performed, fewest touchdown passes of his career, fewest pass yards of his career, most sacks taken of his career. When you look at his career numbers, he's down in the bottom third. I mean, not even really the bottom third. I see 27, 27, 22nd. He's down near the bottom. And so how can you stand in front of the team and say, hey, what's best for us is to give Baker Mayfield another shot when all the numbers, the production and performance suggest that he is not an upper echelon player? I think you better to try to Jacoby reset, move on, put the onus on the defense and everybody else to raise their games. I just think with Baker Mayfield, all of the other stuff plus the poor production means that you want to find another quarterback in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, I got to echo what Bucky is saying, and then I'm going to take exception to something that Slick said. First, let me echo that Baker Mayfield was ranked 22nd or worse in passer rating, passing yards, completion percentage, and passing touchdowns. The most important stats for a quarterback in his career. (sighs) And y'all are mentioning Jacoby Brissett. And I understand why, because it's scattered all around a few seasons at different places. But you got to aggregate it. You got to understand that Jacoby Brissett actually 
of recent history has a better resume than Baker Mayfield. Once again, 9 and 11. Baker Mayfield, 9 and 11. Completion percentage higher. 23 touchdowns to nine intercepts. You want to know what Baker Mayfield has done? 29 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. Keeps giving the ball away. All of this adds up to, hey, Jacoby Brissett is not that far distant from you, Baker Mayfield. But let's talk about what Slick said. (sighs) This is big business. We're talking about the Cleveland Browns, one of the 32 organizations in the NFL. And people are acting like they didn't see this coming in terms of Deshaun Watson potentially not playing. Okay, Slick. Whenever you get yourself caught up in situations and don't know what the truth is, follow the money. I'm telling you, if you want to know what people's real intentions are and actions, follow the money. Deshaun Watson signs a five-year deal for $230 million. He gets paid $46 million last year. $46 $46 million the year before, $46 million the year before, $46 million the year before. But what does Deshaun Watson get paid next year? Anybody? $1 million. Mm. Follow the money. They already were sitting there prepared for, hey, Deshaun Watson potentially will get suspended for a few games or maybe the whole year. Hey, let's work out this contract so, hey, we're not taking that huge chunk of flesh $1 million for Deshaun Watson next year lets me know they were prepared for this. What they were also prepared for is Jacoby Brissett's going to be your backup because Baker Mayfield, he even got you beat. Coming up, the Lakers had a season to forget. But has Russell Westbrook gotten a bad rap? We'll answer that next on Straight for Your Sale. Yeah, a million dollars for Deshaun. Oh. Reports say Russell Westbrook plans on exercising his option for just over $47 million to return to the Lakers next season. Duh. He also posted a shot of himself around the same time, dancing in his car to Beyonce's Break My Soul, which could be a nod to his critics that put a lot of blame on him for L.A. missing the playoffs. Got to bring in Fox NBA analyst and NBA champion and depressed Celtics fan, Antoine Walker. So, Antoine, (laughs) has Russell Westbrook gotten a bad rap with the Lakers? Of course he's gotten a bad rap. And and let me just start off with, with these individual accolades that I think some of us forget and fans forget what we, what we what we know about Russell Westbrook. This guy's a nine-time All-Star, two-time scoring champion. He's the MVP of this league. He's won the scoring. He's had the assist title three times, where he's assist champ three times in this league. And also, he's averaged a triple-double four, in four seasons. So I think sometimes we forget about all the things that he's done well in this league that's made him going to be well, – he's going to be a first-time ballot Hall of Famer. So I think we, we forget about that, and we look at the season that just passed. The season that just passed, he, they played 21 games together. And what I mean by 21 games is the big three. LeBron, AD, and Russ played 20, 21 games together. You cannot make a, an evaluation or know how good they can be or to even say if you think this thing is going to work in 21 games. But I did like Russ, who took most of the blame for the, the team not having a lot of success this year, He's the one that plays 78 games. Mm. He's the one that averaged 18, mm. 7, and 7. When you look at AD, who missed half the season, LeBron, obviously, we know had an exceptional season, but he only played 56 games. So it's not Russell Westwood's fault that they had a, a bad season. He played a part in it because he didn't have his, a great season. I don't want to hear about the three-point shoot. He's never shot threes well in his mm. career. 
He's always shot 30% from the three-point line. That's nothing new. The free throw percentage bothers me a little bit because at one point in his career, he was an 80-plus free throw percent shooter. So that bothers me a little bit. But it's not his fault. He is getting a bad rap. And you guys know, like I know, he should be singing. He's going to make $47 million next year. We all know he wasn't opting out of that. But even if the Lakers won the, the world championship, <laughs> he wasn't opting out of $47 million. <laughs> I'm with you, Antoine, uh, a a thousand percent. Without question, he has gotten a bad rap. And why? The question is why? Because, uh, and what I find the the oddest is that the two things that I've heard most of the criticism surrounding is his shooting and his turnovers. Well, his shooting percentage was actually higher this year (laughs) than it was last year with the Wizards. And his turnover average was lower than it was with the Wizards last year. But overall, Russ Westbrook with the Lakers was what Russ Westbrook has been for the better part of his career. To your point, Antoine, he's never been a great three-point shooter. He's always been a high-volume turnover guy. He does great things, does dynamic things in both directions. And I take great issue, as you do, with the idea that because he showed up and played 78 games, because we witnessed him uh, struggling to get the Lakers where Lakers fans wanted them to go, that it's his fault as opposed to the guys who weren't even on the floor able to contribute to try to get them where they want to go. So uh, the, the issue is, is that uh, somehow either the Lakers, the Lakers fans, or anybody who's critical of Russ Westbrook, They wanted him to become what they wanted him to become in order for this to work. Well, we don't need you to be a ball-dominant guy. We just want you to be an efficient guy who's catch and shoot, who defends, who does all this ancillary stuff. Russ Westbrook has never done any of that in his career. So why are you thinking that he's now going to come to the Lakers and become this ancillary, complimentary, super-efficient player? Like... The problem isn't with Russ Westbrook. The problem was with the expectations that Russ Westbrook was going to be somebody other than he is. Oh, man, Slick. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Talking about a bad rap. Oh, Westbrook. And it's funny because I think it's with good intention that Russell Westbrook right now is getting all this criticism. Let me explain. This is actually a compliment. They were looking at Russell Westbrook, and in team construction, he was their third option, being real. Day one is LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook. Now, LeBron James and AD are supposed to come and save the day. All you need from Russell Westbrook is energy, minutes, and go out there and get some of that point production, right? And then LeBron and AD comes and save the day because, hey, Westbrook, that's what we brought you in to do. But what ended up happening is their third option needed to lead the team. And that's not how this is designed. Did we ask Andrew Wiggins to lead the team? Did we ask Jordan Poole to lead the team? No. Did you go out there and look at Marcus Smart and say, lead the team? Those guys had stationary pieces that were stars that were there for them the entire year. That's not what happened with the Lakers. So this compliment of like, hey, Russell Westbrook, I know you're amazing. You can still do this. Uh Uh-uh. That's not how the band works. (laughs) Russell Westbrook was not on vocals. He wasn't even on drums. He was just one horn. And he like, yo, y'all want me to make hits? I need them other instruments to come out here and play with me. 
So all of this has now got twisted up into some like beef within the own organization and within its own fan base. Everyone's really mad at Westbrook because they think he's greater than a third option. But when he had an opportunity to lead this team, he didn't lead this team any further. He's not supposed to, y'all. He's the third option. And that's a great point, Marcellus. Listen, let me just tell you this. I was in a situation in 2006 when I signed with the Miami Heat. And I got a phone call when I signed with the Heat. And it came from Stan Van Gundy. And he told me that I was going to have to come off the bench. I was averaging 20 and 10 mm. um, in my career at this point. And he said, if you want to win a championship and you want to be a part of this, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. You're going to have to come off the bench. I'm going to run everything through Shaq and D-Wade. I'm not going to run anything for you in the first option. But if you're willing to come off the bench, and I will run everything for you and run the offense around you. And for the first 20 games, I made mm. that sacrifice. Pat Riley ultimately came down and became the coach and put me back in the star lineup. But even Pat Riley kind of stayed with the same thing. He took me out the game first. Mm. I was always the first sub so I can play with the second unit. I say all that to say this about Russ. He has to take some ownership. I'm not saying he has to come off the bench, but you have to adjust your game when you are the third option on the team. Obviously, he can't be a volume shooter. Some games he'll have moments where he can't, but you're not going to be a volume shooter. Your shot production is going to go down. Your opportunities to handle on the break because LeBron handles the basketball. So you have to do other things on the court to help this team win. And that's going to be the biggest obstacle for Russell Westbrook going into the season, especially if everybody's healthy. Can he do some of the other things on the court? Can he find other creative ways to score without shooting bad three-point shots and without putting himself in tough positions? And that's what I'm interested to see if he's able to do. But I trust that he can do it. Listen, I'm the president, CEO of the Russell Westbrook Fan Club. Mm-hmm. I love the guy. I believe he can be special. I believe he's special. He's one of my favorite guys. He's must-see TV for me. I've enjoyed watching him. I believe he's going to bounce back. And I think he just has to put that in his mind that you have to make change. And that's going to be the challenge for Darvin Ham as the coach. Can he get that into Russell Westbrook's head? Tuan, uh, I have always enjoyed watching Russell Westbrook play as well, but now I understand where you're going a little off the Uh-oh. beaten path Uh-oh. here, my friend, because Uh-oh. as the president of that <laughs> fan club, you are now asking Russell Westbrook to do something that Russell Westbrook has never done, which is, I mean, you're kind of asking the same thing that the Lakers fans asked last year. Like, can you do the little things? Can you just defend? Can you rebound? Can you? No, like Russell Westbrook has to be at the heart of things, has to have the ball in his hands to be Russell Westbrook. That's the only way that he's played. And this idea that he's going to suddenly transform himself at this point of his career is asking too much. All that said, we get back to the question about has he gotten a bad rap? Yes, because here's the truth is that were there other players on this team making the kind of sacrifices that we were asking or that they were asking Russell Westbrook to make? Mm. Like, did LeBron James make sacrifices or did he just say, hey, I'm chasing Kareem. I think I'm going to score. Like, did Mm. scoring, uh, uh, LeBron averaging, you know, nearly 30 points and nearly winning a scoring title, how was that working in terms of making them a winning team? Like, 
that is where I believe Russell looked at it and say, everybody's asking me to change my game, to do all these different things. Who else here is changing their game <laughs> and doing different things in order for this to work? That, to me, is where it has to start. And that's where I'm with you that I believe if the example is set and we'll see if Darvin Ham can have that impact, because that was the first thing Darvin said. And we'll see, not just with Russell, this entire team, are they going to buy into what Darvin said? Because what Darvin said is, we all have to make sacrifices. Well, I want to see those sacrifices made by everybody on this team. And then if Westbrook is the odd guy out, then I'm willing to give him some criticism. Yeah, but it's unfair to, to Westbrook. Like, everyone in their mind has an inflated role for him which comes with responsibilities that you guys are not necessarily understanding to the fullest. Let's give it to you simple. In football, the third receiver on a team, right? You can't expect him to go out there and outproduce the number one and number two. Why? Because in first place, as you said, it's the fact that you don't even give him those opportunities. Like Westbrook is not even getting those opportunities to go out there and lead this team. So now all of a sudden we look at Westbrook because we know he's great. But he's in the third position on this team. It was supposed to be the Avengers, not Avenger. Like, it wasn't supposed to be <laughs> Russell Westbrook out there playing 22 more games than LeBron and 40 more games than AD. They were supposed to go out there as a crew, and he was supposed to be the third receiver. He was supposed to be the third option. He was supposed to be the third most damaging Avenger. But instead, he got put into this different role. So if I'm going to be the agent for Russell Westbrook, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to compare him to the third options of the other guys that you guys are out there showing so much love to, like Marcus Smart, like Jordan Poole, like Andrew Wiggins. And then you start to realize, oh, if he had LeBron and AD, we wouldn't have this conversation at all. I wonder who had more points out of all those names. Westbrook. I wonder who had more rebounds out of all those names. Westbrook. I wonder who had more assists in all those names. Westbrook, but the problem was he was out there avenging by himself. So now y'all going to see my man Russell Westbrook on a revenge mission this year. Hey, I'm going to battle you for the president of that fan club because I really love Rusty too. <laughs> Coming up, it's old school versus new school over NBA players. Huge salaries. Tell you if Shaq's criticism is fair or foul. That's next on Shrink for Yourself. Yeah. Charles Barkley called out Kevin Durant after the NBA Finals, and KD said Barkley was jealous of the money current NBA players make. Well, that subject did not sit well with Chuck's TV partner, Shaquille O'Neal, who had a lot to get off his chest saying, quote, let me tell you something. You think I'm happy Rudy Gobert is making $250 million? <laughs> So KD, you're absolutely right. We're mad because the way we played didn't get that. So damn right we get mad. We get petty. And guess what? We have an opinion, and our opinion counts. Woo, slick. Is Shaq's criticism of the money players are making now fair or foul? Goodness. Oh, it is so foul, Marcellus. And I hate to be in this position because I'm a big Shaquille O'Neal fan. But oh, this, is, this is wrong on so many levels. First of all, that he's mad at the current players for what they're making. You don't think that the generation before Shaq wasn't <laughs> mad at the money that Shaq's generation is making? Right. And the idea that somehow his opinion on that should be colored, like that it's understandable or fair or right 
that his opinion on current players should be affected by how much they make. He, as uh, Tuan, I'm sure you know this. Marcellus, you know this. Any, mm -hmm. any professional mm -hmm. athlete knows mm -hmm. this. Like, um, look, you, you're going to fault a player for making the money that he makes. He's not holding a gun to, to the team's head to say, pay me this. They make that choice. It's a two-way street. Now, if a dude's not working, if a dude's not working on his game, okay, that's one thing that opens it up for criticism. But if he gets paid a certain amount, it's because the team paying him believes he is worth that amount. And so it's on them as much as him to make good on that. And Shaq is throwing all of that to the side. So, I, look, now it's suddenly we've, we've, we're okay with being petty. Like, petty is almost because what, what Steph said it, like, I'm the petty king. Now it's a good thing to be petty. No, no. You don't... You're not petty. It's certainly when you have a platform that Shaquille O'Neal has and the ability to talk about other players and what they're doing. Don't bring the money factor into it. Let's judge based on, especially if you're talking generation to generation, because every generation has made more as a result of the previous generation. That's just the way it's been. That's the way it's gone in every field. So why are we going to take exception that the game has been good to players in today's world. Rick, you know, we don't agree much on a lot of things, but <laughs> I, I do have to agree with you on this one. Uh, this is foul by, by, by Shaq. Um, you don't really get into the money part of things, and, and he should actually be proud of what these guys are making, mm. what you just alluded to, because he's played a part in the reason why these guys yeah. are making the money that they're making right now. And and I'm, I'm actually surprised at Shaq, because Shaq is one of my favorite people in the world. He's one of the best teammates I ever had. Um, in the world. So I never thought, I don't think Shaq is jealous of these guys. I, I think Shaq has been too blessed and too fortunate on and off the court for him to be jealous. Um, I think he was just defending, you know, Charles at that moment when KD made the comment that Charles was jealous that, you know, obviously they're not making the same money that these guys are making now. But I sit at home sometimes and be like, watching TV and be like, <laughs> man, if I played in this era, I mean, I, I could have made, and I made a hundred. I made over a hundred million dollars playing. I'm blessed to be able to make it. But I was like, man, I could have made me another hundred million hey, because the way the game is, the way the game is played now. And I think it is, it is something that I think is not petty, uh, Rick. I think it's a lot of guys that feel that way. I look at Michael Jordan. I think he's he ran his team at one point, not one to pay these young guys their market value. That's why he's probably never had a superstar really there. You know, prior to now, he's starting to spend some money because he has to. But it's, it's those older mm. guys are, they do hold a grudge for some odd reason. Um, but you shouldn't do that. These guys, are you've paid the way. I was a basketball fan, a basketball junkie, and I remember when the games were on tape delay. And Michael and, and Magic and Bird came into the league and put the games on national on live TV. So you got to pay respects to those guys and respect the, what the work they've done. And I think young guys need to understand that and maybe pay a little bit more homage to it. But you can't be jealous of what these guys are making. This is everybody's contributed to that and made this possible for the money to be where it's at right now. Yeah, man, let me echo it and let me maybe say it a little louder. Ugh. Shaq, old school, man, this is foul. <laughs> and, and when you old school, you should know the old saying. Don't hate the player, hate the game. And this is how the game is and this is how the game should be. 
oh, Shaq got this one wrong. And I hope he was saying it tongue-in-cheek, even though he's a great actor and knows how to say it still and come down hard on you. I hope he didn't really mean this because you should be happy, proud that the inflation and the growth of the game came from players standing on your shoulders, mm-hmm. just like Shaq was able to stand on players' shoulders before him. Here's an example. Michael Jordan, his career earnings, $93 million. Shaquille O'Neal, who's an amazing player, top 10 player himself, $286 million. Oh, my, 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 my wait a minute. That's how the game goes. I got example after example I could bore you. But let me personalize it, man. I remember when I got my big check. It wasn't no $100 million like you, Twan. Good Lord, I played a different sport. But the thing <laughs> is, I got me a big check. And I remember two players that called me, and one of them we talked extensively about it. I play DN, I get a bigger check than Bruce Smith ever got. And that was Bruce Smith, the greatest defensive end of all time. My teammate, he was like, I'm happy for you, young man. Now, obviously, we laughed and chuckled like, damn, I wish my birth certificate was the same as yours because then Bruce would have made more than I made. But then when I received that check, I talked to Junior Seau, the late, great Junior Seau. And he was like, my goodness, don't spend it all in one place without one sour grape to discuss. And the crazy thing about it was I wasn't half as good as either one of those players, but I was good enough later. And that's how it goes in terms of the inflation. I think Shaq knows this. Hopefully he was joking because old school got to know. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. This is the other part for Shaq and for Chuck in particular, is how are they making money? How are they generating money now? It's off the game today. It's off the fact that we have stars that are making hundred millions of dollars that raises their profile, which then raises the profile of everybody who's covering the league. So in a way, Shaq is benefiting off of what these players are doing today and how they are regarded in the big picture. There's only one player that I think of that I believe has reason, if he ever wanted to, and maybe he has, Mm. to be critical and to say, man, you know what? I didn't get what I deserved. And that is Oscar Robertson. Because Mm. Oscar Robertson is the one who created, who was the uh, one of the founding fathers of the Players Union. With an all-star game, they were in at halftime and said, we're not coming out unless the league agrees. We're not coming out for the second half unless the league agrees to the players' union. And as a result of being the guy who forced that to happen, Oscar Robertson, in the eyes of many, was blackballed by the league ever since. Didn't get the, the broadcasting TV opportunities, didn't get GM, all of that stuff because of what the sacrifice that he made or the thing that he created that has created everything for every player since then. So if Oscar wants to talk about, man, I didn't get what I deserve based on what I provided for everybody else, I got no problem with Oscar. But everybody else, Mm. you're a beneficiary of what the Big O started. And if he's not going to complain, you certainly can't. And I, and I think, too, to add to that, I think what the older guys really criticize is that we had, back in the day, and I, I would even put my generation in there, you had to put up numbers to get a big deal. Like, you know, you had to be a 20 and 10 guy. You had to mm-hmm. be one of the top players at your position. Where now you see mm-hmm. guys are getting paid off potential. 
And and I think that's what bothers a lot of the older players now, where the body of work is doesn't match sometimes the paycheck. But it's unfortunate, but the league is where it's at now. You didn't have salary caps. You didn't have the money that you're making now. The guys could be able to sign deals early on. And so the potential payments, I think, when you see guys getting paid off the potential, really hurts the veteran guys that, that see this. And that's where the complaint comes in and the hating comes and the, the foul play and comments come in that is because of that. You know, I don't think they get mad so much at the big-time guys getting the money. But I think when Why? you see these – uh-oh. A little bit above average Uh-oh. guys. Here we go. You know, get that, that oh, the inner shack coming you, out. Did, <laughs> they have, did they have the rookie salary scale when you got in the league? Thank you. Yeah, three years, 5.5 at that six spot, Rick. That's what I made. They okay. locked me in early. Okay. Okay. They locked me in early. Because that, <laughs> that turned things. Because prior yes, to that, a, dude, you talk about guys getting paid on potential. Guys were getting $60, $70 million, and they'd never even stepped on an NBA court before. So – Though I would say your, uh, your, your, or the guy, the veterans during that age prior, prior to the rookie salary scale mm-hmm. that were having their paychecks trimmed because of that, those guys might have something to complain about ahead of what Shaq certainly did. Oh, man, it's just hate. That's all it is. No matter how we dress it up, it's hate. Y'all can have all these examples. Counting somebody else's money. I know. You hating. That's all it is. It's funny because uh, Joey Bosa got paid five years out of 135. And then somebody hit me with a stat like, Marcellus, you know, in your first three years started, you had more sacks than he did. And I felt a certain way, but I never felt jealous and I didn't feel the hate. Yeah. But I do understand that that birth certificate helped him like it helped me. So it is what it is. But I got to push back a little bit on Twan, 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 Twan. Since sports began, they always pay you for two reasons. Because of your production mm. or because of your potential. Like that's how you get paid. It's almost like we're looking for the unicorns out there, the Antoine Walkers, the 20 and 10 guys. But we're also looking for those startups like – Oh, these guys, hey, right now they look like they could be something. And they will invest in them. I remember the NFL and Sam Bradford, I think, was the last beneficiary of that rookie before the rookie wage scale when he got like 50 million straight out of college. And then all the Shaquille O'Neal's in the NFL start saying, hey, 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 enough of that. Can't let this dude get all that money before he touches the field. I hear you, man, but we just dressing up hate. Leave him alone, Shaq. They do rich. Coming up, the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl last season. But what about this year? We'll tell you if we're concerned that there'll be a one-hit wonder. That's next on Spec for Your Sale. Bengals made it all the way to the Super Bowl last season before falling to the Rams. Some would say their run was a surprise for not running back Joe Mixon. He had full confidence in his squad this season, saying, quote, he might be the hottest thing smoking in the NFL on Sundays. All right. So, Slick. This is your team. You have any concerns? Your Bengals are one-hit wonders. As a Bengals fan? Hell yeah, I do. Are you kidding me? Do you know the history of the Cincinnati Bengals? Look, we went to the we went to the Super Bowl in 1981. And then for the next 6 years we had one measly wild card appearance and we <laughs> lost that game. I I shouldn't say we. They. Oh. 1988, we go to the Ooh. Super Bowl again. Ooh. For 16 subsequent years, one divisional playoff game also lost. So, no, (laughs) the trend is we climb the mountain. Again, damn it, I said we again. (laughs) They climb the mountain, and then they tumble down into the valley, Uh, and it's hard to get up. Now, 
I am truly hoping that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, and that that nucleus is mm. going to change things and that the Brown family is going to spend a little bit of money and is going to make good on what uh, what the potential of this team is. But uh, based on the history of the Cincinnati Bengals, yeah, you, there's an old, old saying, you can always tell who the Bengals fan is when they walk into the room because they're just pure scar tissue. <laughs> that is... <laughs> <laughs> that is what a Bengals fan is. That's what you've come to expect. So uh, am I hoping it's going to be different? Yes. I have great hope that it's going to be different. But do I have concerns? <laughs> you bet. You bet I have concerns. Uh, Rick, we got to fill up your swag bag. Like, look. Oh, no. You, look, See, you, yeah. you have to. Look, you can't be all yeah, you, anxious and nervous mm. and all of that other stuff. Mm. The Cincinnati Bengals are legit. They have a legit quarterback. They have weapons on the outside. Mm -hmm. This is a team that looks on paper to be better than the version that played last year. And, yes, mm -hmm. the gauntlet is tough now because the quarterbacks in the AFC are real. It's tough getting out of division. It's tough getting out of that conference. But this team, they learned how to win last year. And, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise, but that confidence when you first do it and you know how to do it, and look, you're a little hungry because you didn't win it. You didn't cap it off the right way. You're two minutes away from getting the ring and the banner. Yeah, you're motivated. And it's a difference going from being the hunter to being the hunted. But annoying Joe Burrow mm -hmm. because Joe Burrow has won. And remember, if you look at all of the picks that they've taken in the last few years, mm -hmm. they come from winning college programs, programs that played on the big stage, programs that are used to winning, but not only used to winning, but used to taking on all of the stuff that comes on with being a high-level program, nah, I think it's different in that locker room now. The expectations, not from outside, but from inside, are that we're a dominant team. And what you're hearing Joe Mixon express is what the rest of the guys feel in that locker room. Go easy. Put your feet up. The Bengals are good. Mm, and good ain't going to be good enough. That's the problem. I think... Slick Rick nailed it, man. There's some apprehension in the air because collectively we all felt that the Bengals overachieved. To what degree? Depends on how much you believed in them. But everyone was sitting there like, mm. you trying to tell me Kansas City's not in the Super Bowl? You trying to tell me Buffalo's not in the Super Bowl? All the Bengals that had a combined six wins the two years prior? Oh, okay, good for you guys. Now, like in school, teachers used to always say, it's easy to get an A, but it's hard to keep an A. So it's going to be hard for them to keep up this level of success. And I have some recent history to prove that. 2021, the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl, just like y'all did. The Bengals next year took a step back, even though they were a good team, took a step back to the AFC Championship game losing. 2020, 49ers lost the Super Bowl. Next year, missed the playoffs. Okay. 2019, Rams lose the Super Bowl. Next year, missed the playoffs. Hey, it's hard. Them Super Bowl hangovers hit hard. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So if you look at the AFC that is just sitting there ready to blossom, let's just look at the mm. AFC West. Goodness, can all four teams come out and make the playoffs from that division? Then you talk about teams that haven't even been to the playoffs yet, like the Los Angeles Chargers with Justin Herbert. Hey, don't kick up your feet and think you're good, because trust me, it ain't all to the good. 
Yeah, Buck, look, I appreciate that you're trying to bring some of that Dallas Cowboys optimism my way mm. with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I, and I would say if we're going to compare the two, I feel a lot better about the Bengals than I do the Dallas Cowboys. But we can save that <laughs> conversation for another day. Here's the one of the concerns that I have. And first, you mentioned it. Like, there is a big difference between being the hunter and the hunted. Nobody saw the, the Cincinnati Bengals coming. And now they are in the crosshairs of every team. Nobody's going to sleep on them. Nobody's going to sleep on Jamar Chase. Nobody's going to sleep on Joe Burrow. The other part of it is, is just how vital Joe Burrow is to all of this. And he's already had a significant injury. He's not mm. built to take a lot of hits, even though he did <laughs> against the Titans. Nope. I don't want to see that on a regular basis. And the way that he plays. Like, that is a formula that, again, if we're talking about concerns... And, and, and how we define one-hit wonder is important, too. If it's they're a one-hit wonder if they don't go back to the Super Bowl, yeah, that's an awfully high bar to set. Would I hope and expect that they are a playoff team again next year? Yes, I think that's reasonable to expect that because I do, to your point, uh, Bucky, I think they learned some things. I think they've improved their roster overall, the offensive line by, oh, they got one of those Dallas Cowboys offensive Lyle linemen. Cowboys. So I don't know if that's yeah. really bad, but yep. mm. I, yeah, I would say maybe that's an improvement. I don't know. The way you suggested mm. it, it was an improvement mm. that the Dallas mm. Cowboys left, lost him, but the Bengals are counting, it on, counting on him as an improvement. So I look at all of that, and I do believe that they are going to be a playoff contender, which is certainly far more than they have been consistently over the last couple of decades. But if it's one hit wonder in terms of they're going to be a Super Bowl contender next year, I have my concerns that, again, because of what Marcellus said, because of where the AFC is, before where their division is with the Ravens, I believe, being back, that asking them to do that, that if they, if they fall short of that, that they're a disappointment, I'm not going to set my expectation quite that high. Oh, my gosh, man. I up here, all these nervous guys and guys who relate to underdogs and don't like to be the favorite and all this. Here, here's where I come from. I am a guy who is always related to the champion. When I walk in, I expect to get the belt. I'm walking in with all the belts. I want everyone to celebrate me and treat me like I'm the champion. That is the same swag and confidence that Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow entered the National Football League with. And so when those guys are the leaders of your team, that permeates the rest of the locker room. We talk about... In the scouting business, I want teams from winning programs. I want guys who are champions. I want guys who are captains of those teams because they bring that swag and that confidence into the locker room. When I think about all the things, the best thing that Joe Burrow has brought to the Cincinnati Bengals is not only his game, but his attitude, his swagger, his moxie. I looked up the Cincinnati Bengals of sold-out season tickets mm. because everyone wants to see Joe Burrow do his deal. And I would say that they were ahead of schedule. Yeah. We can talk about overachieving. No, they were ahead of schedule. But let's look at who they knocked off. They went to Kansas City and knocked off the Kansas City Chiefs with Pat Mahomes. Mm. Knocked them off, sent them home. It's done deal. This is a team that is ready to go. Yes, it might be more difficult because now they're not, they won't sneak up on anybody. But who's to say I got to sneak up on you if I'm better than you? That's why Joe Mixon is talking like, hey, we're the hottest thing under the sun because this team is loaded. The skill positions are loaded. The defense played really well. To me, 
I think they almost won the Super Bowl a year too early. Now they're on schedule. I think this is a team that we're going to talk about being in the conversation because the quarterback is the real deal and the rest of the team believe they are the real deal, which is why they'll be in that conversation. I'm listening. I'm hearing you. I ain't believing you, but you keep talking. Man, look, <laughs> you said it right there. You oh, said, I so want to believe it. Oh, Trust me. I know you do. Who they? Who they? Sounded good, man. Bucky. Damn. Even Bucky admitted it, though. It may be more difficult. And yeah, here's the problem. It may be hard. It, here's the problem. And you mentioned who they faced last year. Let's start in the beginning. Wild card round versus Oakland. Y'all remember Derek Carr had that ball at the nine-yard line, and Didn't they win. barely win that game. Hey, that's Didn't okay. Win. It's your first time in the playoffs. You win that game. Next one, divisional round versus Tennessee. It took how many interceptions from Tannehill? 19 for them to get that. But that went down to the wire as well. Be careful, game. When it field go on. on the road. AFC Monday. championship game, you go against the Chiefs. I get it in overtime. And you, skin of your teeth, as they say. And you saying it's going to get more difficult and more teams? Careful, all you season ticket holders out there who want to go see Joe Burrow go play again next year. Last year, coming off injury, Joe Burrow was sacked 51 times, the most in the NFL. If that happens again for Joe Burrow, talking about his durability, that will be in question as much as how far would this team go next year. Coming up. Is Mac Jones, Mac Jones, the next great quarterback in New England? Hmm. Tell you, Bill Belichick can win a Super Bowl with his young quarterback. That's next on Speak for Yourself. It's gonna be all right, Slick. Marcellus, you went too far. Patriots Nation has had plenty of positive things to say about who Mac Jones this all season. That continued with tight end John Smith saying, "Quote: He's just got so much ability and so much dog in him. Once he flips that switch, he's a whole different character." Jones is entering his second season in the NFL. So, Buffy, can Bill Belichick win a Super Bowl with Mac who? Mac Jones. Nope. <laughs> Moving on. What can't do it. Wow. He can't do it. I'm looking at the AFC. I'm looking at all the quarterbacks. I like what Mac Jones was able to do as his rookie year. But let's just, let's just look at the quarterbacks in the AFC because you got to get past the AFC before you can get in. Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. Look, I got an asterisk by Deshaun Watson. I mean, that's a lot of guys. That's a lot of guys that Mike Jones has to outplay. I don't know if any of those guys right now he's better than. So that's the kind of odds and the hill that Bill Belichick has to scale and climb to get this team to the Super Bowl. And he's the greatest coach of all time. You can't dispute that. But right now, what he's tasked with doing with a quarterback in Mac Jones, who is a superb managerial quarterback, hmm. but he's not a playmaker. And all those guys that we mentioned are playmakers. There's a scary deal when it comes to dealing with a playmaker in the postseason as opposed to a manager that has to play off the script. I just don't know how this team does it unless they put a super team around Mac Jones. I just don't see the Patriots doing it again. And I like the pages and what they've done. I just don't see it. Mm, Bucky, too strong, too strong. Yes, I see it mm. coming from Mac Jones. And what I'm going to use for reference, my experience and the dynasty of the Patriots before and their winning formula. Once again, can they find that magic in Mac Jones? Absolutely. Because Bill Belichick has never required his quarterback to be a playmaker. And he went out there and won oh. six rings. But he will dress up his team with a tremendous defense like the Patriots have right now. Talk about their defense last year, Bucky, since you want to talk so much. Mm. Fourth-ranked defense. I wonder of mm. all those other championship teams mm. that Bill Belichick had, did he ever have a fourth-ranked defense or higher? Nope. 
best defense in ranking that Bill Belichick has had. And this team is potentially on one side of the ball already dressed for that success. So now what do we need from you, Mac Jones? Same thing we needed from Tom Brady. Protect the football. Protect yourself. Mm. Don't get sacked. And let's go out there and move this ball methodically down the field. And that's what they've been doing. Now, they're in the building blocks of that. I will give you that. Tom Brady hit the ground running. First year as a starter, he went out there and won a Super Bowl. That's Mm. not what's happening with Mac Jones. Mm. But trust me, they are cooking, slow baking this mac and cheese right now. And when Mac Jones and this team finally fully matures on both sides of the ball, Super Bowl championship in New England. Mm. Mm. Bucky, you changed the question. You made it into, can Bill Belichick win a Super Bowl because of Mac Jones? And apparently on a timeline of next season, the question doesn't say that. Just says, can Bill Belichick win a Super Bowl with Mm. Mac Jones? And I've seen enough of Mac Jones to believe that he certainly is capable of being part of a Super Bowl winning team. Especially what I find curious here, Mr. Brooks, is that you believe that Dak Prescott mm-hmm. is capable Uh-oh. of leading the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> Receipts. to a Super Bowl. Uh-oh. And if I'm not mistaken, Dak Prescott had a very good rookie year, mm-hmm. about the same as what Mac Jones had, lost his, uh, his first playoff game, same way that Mac Jones did. Mm-hmm. So why am I to believe I that, uh, that Dak Prescott is capable of being part of a Super Bowl winning team and Mac Jones so declaratively, nope, can't, nope, can't happen. Now, I have questions as to whether Bill Belichick can build a Super Bowl team, but again, that ain't the question. It's whether Mac Jones could be part of one. And so based on your logic, Matt Stafford, Stafford is the best quarterback in football right now because he's the quarterback who beat all the other quarterbacks and won a Super Bowl. And you had failed to mention that mm. where does Matt Stafford play? He plays in the NFC. That wasn't one of the quarterbacks you mentioned that yeah, uh, Dak I, Prescott has to go through in order to lead the Dallas Cowboys to a Super Bowl. So help me understand this definitive logic, Buck, where uh, Dak Prescott, without question, is capable of leading the Dallas Cowboys to a Super Bowl. But Mac Jones has no chance of leading the New England Patriots Ooh. Ooh. to a Super Bowl. I, I, I don't know what happened in the last break because this Rick Buecher is the king of optimism. And he's the one that believes all the possibilities are out there. So let's go back and look at the question. Can Bill Belichick win a Super Bowl with Mac Jones? I definitively said no. And so you want to yes. open up to the possibilities and say, hey, he can't do it. So guess what? Here's what I'm going to say. Uh-oh. Can Bucky Brooks have a platinum album? Yes, if I have J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar. If we're going to do it like that, if I got them singing with me, I absolutely can go platinum. I can be whatever I want to be based on what Rick Buecher is saying. I'm still not so sure. But now, let's bring bring the logic and the realism when we talk about this. So I am saying that slate of quarterbacks (laughs) that we have are all young dudes that he has to deal with. And if it's a quarterback-driven league, we got to knock those off. So now, are you going to say, hey, Buck, if you wait 15 years, he can do it? Okay, if you want to put it that long, I don't want to wait that long to win the Super Bowl. I'm saying right now, the here and now, Mm. no, I don't see it in the future for the New England Patriots. But now, because this might go viral, because I don't know if anyone heard this, but I think Marcellus Wiley alluded to Tom Brady being a game manager and that Bill Belichick basically has won. 
He won because of a system quarterback who just took care of the ball in Tom Brady. So you put Mac Jones in that Tom Brady category. I don't know. I want to make sure that we cleared it up before this. Here's the Twitterverse and all the people go hot. I just want to make sure that that is what we're saying, that because you can have a managerial quarterback like you're looking maybe in Tom Brady, that Bill Belichick can put Humpty Dumpty back together again? I don't think so. I don't think it happens. Oh. I'm going to give more credit to TB12 than maybe what Marcellus is giving that. He is the difference. Because that fourth-ranked defense that you talked about, oh. I think they were 1-2 in barbecue last year. Mm. They were out. Yeah. They didn't go yeah. to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And but I've seen other teams go with oh. Tom Brady. Oh, you wanted to have this argument. I didn't want to have saying. this argument. I'm just saying. I mean, go. I mean, we have a multiple amount of arguments. Let's start with this one. How Everyone always hides behind. It's a quarterback-driven league. Yeah, but it's not congruent. Like, number one versus number two at quarterback doesn't meet in the Super Bowl every year. Stafford wasn't number one or number two, and certainly Joe Burrow wasn't. Uh, Nick Foles is sneaking there. Uh, Jimmy G was sneaking there, y'all. We can't keep acting like, oh, if you ain't the best, you ain't going to make it to the Super Bowl. Stop playing. Now, since you want to bring up Mac Jones versus Tom Brady, uh-oh. You forget, Bucky. Not only do I have receipts, but I actually got game film against young Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And that experience and that memory is going to kick in with these facts about who? Mac Jones. Oh, my God. You act like Mac Jones hasn't already went out there and showed that he can hit the big explosive play at a pace that young Tom Brady did not do. Mac Jones had 52 big pass plays. For y'all who didn't play in the league, that's 20-plus yards. Brady had 41 in his first season, 17 starts. Uh Uh-oh. So now we talk about a guy who has a better completion percentage, more yards per game, uh, greater yards per attempt, better passer rating than young Tom Brady. He ain't Tom Brady, damn it. We know that. I'm just talking about the little itty-bitty embryotic old Tom Brady who had that great defense but not as great a defense as Mac Jones found a way to win a Super Bowl. So I'm with you, Slick Rick. Can Bill Belichick win a Super Bowl? Absolutely. Why? Because he has the same ingredient for success that he had before when he won those Super Bowls. Okay, so by the statement that I'm hearing, I'm I'm make sure I'm going to go clear. So I'm hearing that Mac Jones Jones is better than Tom Brady. And because Bill Belichick has done this, this is why they're going to do it. Because you (laughs) gave me all the numbers that suggested that Mac Jones had put up a statistically better season than a young Tom Brady in his embryonic phase. But so we can believe that those Super Bowls are then going to come for Mac Jones. I just want to make sure I got that clear because Mm -hmm. I think Tom Brady's been celebrated as the greatest of all time because he left Bill Belichick and won one. I, I, I just don't know what Marcellus is over here thinking about when we come to the Patriots and how they're going to do it with Mac Jones. I just don't see a better player at quarterback than these other quarterbacks that are in the division. I mean, we both, in the conference. We both are in the movie theater watching a movie. But I am looking at the opening credits, expecting it to be a great movie because I heard it is a great movie. So far, a pro bowler, Mac Jones already, out there hitting the gritty already as a rookie. Come on, respect. You're watching the movie and saw the end credits of Tom Brady and all of a sudden want to make those same comparisons. I'm not comparing the end of the movie to the beginning of the movie. I'm saying watch the movie. Trust me, Slick Rick is right. It can turn out good. It can turn out as a Super Bowl championship. Coming up, it looks like Kyrie Irving is staying put in Brooklyn for now. So are the Lakers better off without him? Answer that next on Spec for Yourself. J. Cole, Kendrick, holler at me. Let's get in the line. Kyrie Irving plans on opting in to his option for just over $36 million to stay with the Nets. But rumors of him being traded this summer are still alive. Reports say 
High-ranking people still believe there's a possibility that Kyrie could end up with the Lakers. But Russell Westbrook is also expected to exercise his option to return to L.A. So, Slick, are the Lakers better off without Kyrie Irving? Hmm. I'm not going to say that they are better off without Kyrie Irving, but I'm also only going to say that they would be marginally better with him because he does not solve the issues with this team, which is, number one, defensively, their issues. He doesn't make them. He's not going to make them better defensively. And two, it wasn't so much. I still push back on this idea that they didn't have scorers or shooters. Malik Monk can score. Carmelo Anthony can score. What they didn't have was a playmaker that could create shots for all of those guys. I know there's people out there that are going to say, LeBron James created shots. Those guys just didn't make them. LeBron James wasn't focused first and foremost on creating shots other than his own and was not drawing the attention that LeBron James has in the past that would open up easy shots for these other guys. So the other problem is at this point, if we were talking about Kyrie Irving just opting out of his contract and going and signing for $6 million with the Lakers, then there was a better chance of him making them better. And no, they wouldn't be better off without him because it wouldn't cost them anything. But if we're talking about a trade at this point, even if it's Russell Westbrook being involved and he's going to a third team or however they're going to make that work, the fact of the matter is they're going to have to give up assets. They're going to have to give up pieces in order to get Kyrie. And then that really makes it difficult for them to be significantly better. But I'm not going to say that they would be worse because, look, they were the 11th place team last year. Anything would be a plus for them at this point. Mm. Rick, I, I believe that the Lakers are better off without Kyrie Irving. It's not so much more on the basketball court. I'm talking about off the court and where where he can handle things and where he will be. I don't think he can make the adjustments off the court. I think he, he basketball is not the first priority of his, and that's the problem. But him not having basketball mm. as the first priority makes it a problem for, to, for me. When you think about any little thing can distract him, you know, and he's publicly said that basketball is not the, the main priority of his, too, as well. So that's where the problem lies for me. On the court, obviously, we know Kyrie's a terrific talent. We know what he brings to the table. Obviously, his ability to shoot the three would help the Lakers tremendously. Um, defensively, he, he doesn't really make a difference defensively because him and Westbrook are probably the same defensively. Westbrook actually may be a better defender than Kyrie Irving is right now in his career. So I just think the off-the-court distractions that Kyrie has going on would not make them a be- would not make him better. I think where the Lakers at right now, you just said it, they finished the 11th. You're talking about a team that was 33-49 and 49 last year. Their goals and what they're trying to do with LeBron James being at the end and still playing at the level he is, and obviously AD hoping he comes back and plays at a high level, they're trying to win a championship. Is Kyrie Irving thought process to win the championship? Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't really know if that's that's what he's thinking about right now. So that that's something mm-hmm. that with that bothers me. So I think they're better with Westbrook, Westbrook right now than a Kyrie Irving. Oh man, y'all put me in a bad position here because I gotta let the facts speak before I let my heart talk. Uh, the Lakers <laughs> are not better off without. Kyrie Irving, because Kyrie Irving right now is a better basketball player than Russell Westbrook. Put it this way. 
We're all general managers right there. We're sitting there with the number one pick. Are you picking Westbrook or are you picking Kyrie Irving? I know. Yeah, we all picking Kyrie. Okay, so we're not going to fight over that. So now we got to talk about the chemistry <laughs> issue. Here's the chemistry issue. Oh, when Kyrie played with LeBron, how did that turn out? Three years, three finals appearances, and one championship. Oh, seemed like they could mesh well. Well, let's talk about this Laker team on the court and their issues on the court. Like in scoring, they were 11th ranked in scoring. I wonder if 27 points a game from Kyrie Irving last year would help us improve in our scoring production. I don't know. Y'all tell me. What about from the three Three-point line, we all know this is a three-point game right now. Lakers were 22nd. I wonder if a player that shot 42% from three would help us out. Okay. Let's talk about from the free throw line, where it's free. Easy points. Easy money right there. Oh, the Lakers were second to last, 29th in the league. wonder if a guy who shoots 91% from the... Hey, man, look, I have no rooting interest. I'm just saying if we're general managers, we got to construct the best team possible. And not only statistically, but by chemistry and relationship with LeBron James, I think the Lakers would have been better off with Kyrie Irving. Coming up, Zion Williamson's big dog is up for an extension in New Orleans, but we'll tell you if he's worth the money. That's nerf. Don't speak for yourself. The Pelicans can offer Zion Williamson a five-year, $186 million rookie scale extension. Shaq going to be mad at that. Zion has shown he is already one of the most (laughs) dominant offensive players in the league, but he missed all the last season with a broken foot and has played in only 85 games since being drafted. Number one overall in 2019. So, Antoine, are you banking on Zion for the next five years? Wow, it's such a tough question, but I, I think you have to give it to him. I think you give him a max deal, but I think you have, there's two ways you give it to him. I think, one, you could give him an incentive-based deal um, where, you you know, you can guarantee, you know, maybe 70% of that money where 30% can be in incentives. Or you take the fifth year and you make the fifth year a team option. And we know most players, and we see in most players right now, are benefiting from having that player's option at the last year of their deal. So maybe you take away his last year – and make it a team option, which using that team option is usually the, the year that you make the most money in that fifth fifth of last year. But you definitely have to get this guys a max. You're you're starting to make some headway. C.J. McCullough was a great pickup midseason. Obviously, Brandon Ingram now is coming to his own as an all-star in this league. Now you add a guy like Zion. With the competition and the way the teams are in the top of the Western Conference, you can't afford to let a guy like this out the door. When he's healthy, he's spectacular. So hopefully you get him back healthy. He's still young, but you got to put some incentives over in there, I think, or take the team option, take the player option away in that fifth year. I'm just glad it's not my money mm. because no, I would not be banking on Zion Williamson being available mm-hmm. for me for five years. We can't even get him through <laughs> one NBA season. And as we saw in the highlights, like, it, I would feel a little bit different, a little bit different, if I saw Zion Williamson working on developing a game that didn't require him to go 100 miles an hour and punch it uh, every time he goes to the rack. Because the fact of the matter is, at 285 pounds with that vertical, that is going to cause problems physically. It's not like he's had any uh, extraordinary injuries. He's had wear and tear injuries 
because of the torque that he puts on his body, body the, the violent way that he plays the game. It's dynamic. It's exciting. It's just not sustainable over 82 games in an NBA season. So if I was hearing that, you know what? Zion's developed his mid-range jump shot. He's working in the post with his footwork. He's able to play a groundbound game. I would feel a lot more confident that Zion Williamson can be a star in this league for five years. Mm. But all I'm seeing in the highlights, for the most part, is him continuing to tear the rim down. Mm. And that's supposed to make me feel good about where he's going? No, it doesn't. It takes me the exact opposite <laughs> way. I'm like, he's playing the same game that caused him to break his foot. Why am I going to be confident that he's going to avoid breaking his foot or something else uh, in, in his lower body again? So, look, do they have to pay him? Probably. Would I try to get as many incentive clauses in there as I could? Yes. But am I banking that I'm going to see Zion Williamson play the majority of the next five years? No, I am not banking on that whatsoever. Yeah, I hear you, Slick. I hear you. But, you know, ultimately, you got to bank on him. He's box office. You have to give him his money. Now, keep the gift receipt. Like, you might want to get it back, you know, but definitely have to give him his money. Some reason this random thought of what Usain Bolt once said comes into mind, and I hope it plays here. Because we know Zion Williamson hit the ground running fast, right? All-rookie team, all-star his second year. So you got to respect that. But then they asked Usain Bolt once, the fastest man ever alive, runs 100 meters, obviously. What are you running the mile, Usain Bolt? You know what he said? I don't know. I never ran that far. That's how it feels when we ask about Zion Williamson for five more years. It's like, uh, is he going to stay healthy for five? I don't know. He ain't stayed healthy this far so far. But here's yeah. the problem. There's a precedent that has been set by multiple players that makes you have to give him his money. Let's start off with SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Missed 63 games over the last two years. My man sitting there with a five-year, $176 million contract. If Zion got any agent... Half as good as me with this research. He about to bring that up. Bam Adebayo. Whoa, 13 and a half points a game in your career. Just one all-star appearance. Five-year, 163. Michael Porter Jr. We know he missed 73 games this year. Five-year, 172. Ben Simmons missed his rookie season, and he missed last year. <laughs> Sitting there with 5'177". <laughs> it's just the way the game goes. You got to pay him. He's box office, and when he is out there, oh, trust me, he's going to be a beast. Coming up. My Clippers are looking to make their mark next season, so should the NBA champion Warriors be worried about them in the West? We'll answer that next. Don't speak for yourself. The Clippers are being looked at as an early championship contender behind a healthy Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Even Draymond Green described the Clippers as a, quote, threat and a problem heading into next season. So, Slick, should the Warriors be worried about my Clippers in the West? No, they should not be worried. Marcellus Wiley, they shouldn't be worried about anybody because the Golden State Warriors, first of all, defending champions, but two, have this whole legion of young players that learned what it is to be able to win a championship. They're mm. only going to get better. Oh. Uh, James Wiseman, we haven't even seen him in the fold. If mm. Bob Myers does his job and keeps all the pieces together, mm. Mm. they should be the prohibitive favorite. Should they... Uh, should they be worried? No. Should mm. they respect what the Clippers are capable of? Oh. Yeah, 
I'll go as far as that. But uh, I'm guessing that you probably have a different view of this. I don't know. I'm just guessing. No, it's not different. It's just the same as Draymond, who plays for the Warriors, who is looking at the Clippers as a threat and a problem. Hell yeah, they need to be worried. See, Slick, this is what happens when we're fans sitting there courtside, just chilling. We're not out there with those live bullets, but Draymond is. He's like, boy, when this team gets healthy next year, they are going to be a problem in part. Because mm. the Golden State Warriors are going to now be the hunted. Everyone's trying to come after the Golden State Warriors. And no, you're not going to be protected by, we're going to improve. We have young players. We've seen the Golden State Warriors before win 73 regular season games and not win a championship. So don't hit me with the whole, oh, the Warriors don't need to be worried because they're going to improve and they got young talent. You need to hit me with this slick because during our breaks, um, I just know that our cameraman keeps it going and keeps it rolling slick. So when you're comfortable yeah. on your side in the Bay Area, we're comfortable filming you right here. Let's see it slick. Go slick. Watch this focus, y'all. Watch this focus, y'all. Yeah. Hey, 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 You in a zone, boy. You talking about locked in. <laughs> you a threat. You a problem on the dance floor. What is that focus? Are you staring at the DJ, your drink, or her? We got better clips than that. Why are we showing that clip? <laughs> That's it for us. We'll see you tomorrow, dance fever. <laughs> You're not right. You're not right. You're not right. Oh, man.